Hey, Mr. Bob, where are you? Yo, Zach, I'm over here raking leaves. What's with all the commotion? It's Saturday. What are you doing around here on a weekend? Off to do a little research for class, another road trip. I was hoping you'd ride shotgun. Interested? Mr. Kennedy, you always pique my curiosity. Where are we going? Just grab your bicycle and throw it in the back of the truck. I'll tell you on the way. Okay, Zach, I see we are headed north, out of Philadelphia. Are you gonna tell me now where we are going? Well, since we're studying Washington's crossing the Delaware River to surprise the Hessian troops in Trenton, I thought it would be a good idea to go to the actual scene where it all took place. So we're headed to McConkie's Ferry up here in Bucks County, although this area is now formally referred to as Washington's Crossing. Since there's a good bit to see, I thought our bicycles would make it easier to take it all in. That's what I like about you, Zach. You're always thinking ahead. Look, I see the parking lot ahead. Let's gather our stuff and get ready to explore. Well, Zach, I can see why Washington and his boys wanted to hang out around here. This is really pretty country. It makes it hard to imagine this being the epicenter for a bloody war. I know, right? But being here, it's also easy to see why Washington chose this site as his launching point for this great offensive. You are listening to The World According to Mr. Bob, a historical fiction educational show based on true life events. Some sounds and language may be inappropriate. Listener discretion is advised. You will take your 1200 troops and cross the Delaware River here, near Burlington, New Jersey. And your mission will be to prevent the British from marching north towards Trenton. General James Ewing, you will take your force of 800 Pennsylvania militia and cross the river at Trenton, and then take up a defensive position along the Pink River and bridge. I will lead my 2400 troops and cross the river here at McConkie's Ferry and roughly 10 miles north of Trenton at dawn and march south into Trenton to surprise the Hessians. At approximately 11 p.m. on Christmas night, Washington's army commenced its crossing of the half-frozen Delaware River at the three locations. The 2,400 soldiers led by Washington successfully braved the icy and freezing river and reached the New Jersey side of the Delaware just before dawn. The other two divisions, made up of some 3,000 men and crucial artillery, failed to reach the meeting point at the agreed-upon time. This was an ambitious plan, one that even well-rested and experienced troops would have had difficulty in executing. Both Cadwallader and Ewing's forces were unable to cross the ice-choked river, and Washington's main force managed the crossing but was more than three hours delayed. You know, Mr. Bob, this crossing was no small feat. I'd like to equate it to the D-Day invasion and landing at Normandy during World War II. 
I mean, for the time and available technology and everything. I know what you mean. Look, there are a couple of Durham boats, like the ones Washington used, tied up at that dock. Let's ride over and check them out. Wow, these are pretty crude. They were kind of a waterborne freight wagon. Exactly. They all had an eight foot wide beam and could range anywhere from 25 to 65 feet long. With their flat bottoms, they only drew about two feet when they were fully loaded. They made them ideal for our transporting stuff across this river, like men and artillery. But with thousands of troops to move, they must have needed dozens of boats. Where did they get enough boats for the crossing? It was a canny move, and Washington clearly recognized that among the craft gathered along the river, the most useful boats, militarily speaking, were the Durham boats. The Durham boat was a sturdy cargo carrier. It was a double-ender, shallow draft hauler. It could be fitted with sails and could be rowed, but it was designed for poling. That's why they had that narrow walkway along the gunnels on both sides and decked out at both ends. By using sharp pointed shafts up to about 20 feet long, crewmen, usually two or three on each side, would face downriver, plant their poles out on the bottom and brace a shoulder against the top of the pole and then walk back to the stern, thus propelling the boat upstream. Then they would repeat. It was tedious, back-straining work. When the current was too strong or there were rapids, they had iron rings fixed in convenient boulders on shore. That way, a rope could be fastened to the ring, and the boat could be drawn upstream by using a winch. I understand the utility of these boats, but where did they get enough boats to transport over 5,000 men and equipment? Well, Zach, that's kind of a funny story in itself. Gentlemen, it's almost time. Is everything in place? Colonel Henry Knox, did we secure enough boats for the crossing? General Washington, I had my men scour the area for miles. I'm awaiting a progress report from my sergeant any minute now. Come in. Johnny Franklin, what are you doing here? Hey, George, excuse me. I mean, your generalship. Sir General Washington, it's Sergeant Franklin now. Sergeant? Oh, bother. But again, why are you here? Well, I just came to report to Colonel Knox that we just secured every boat within 10 miles, north or south of Trent. Johnny, that's great. How many Durham boats did you get? We tied up 16 boats over there, behind McConkie's Ferry. Sixteen? Johnny, I I've got to move 5,000 troops, plus horses, plus artillery, plus... Well, we also got you four flatbed barges. And honestly, General, there's not another boat on either side of the river. Then we'll have to make do. Thank you for your efforts, Johnny. Gentlemen, the time has come. Prepare your troops, and may God speed. And that was only the beginning of Washington's trouble that night. The 29-degree weather was being fueled by a fierce nor'easter. Look across there, Zach. What's that? 
about 300 yards to the other side. Would you want to be out there under those conditions? And just to add to his troubles, his north and south support from General Cadwallader and General Ewing never made it across. Yeah, despite all that, after Washington's troops made it across, they still had to march four hours into Trenton to surprise the Hessians. The logistics just blow me away. Well, all this bike riding is blowing me away. I sure could use a burger. How about you? My treat. If only Washington had that kind of motivation, crossing would have been a piece of cake. Let's go. The World According to Mr. Bob is created, written, and produced by Bob Staniszewski and Adam Staniszewski with associate producer Zach Kennedy. Recorded and mixed at Crooked Lane Sound in Cherry Hill, New Jersey by audio engineer and sound designer Adam Staniszewski. Episode number seven of season one is titled Washington Crossing the Delaware. It features Zach Kennedy as himself, Bob Staniszewski is Mr. Bob, and Brett Slavin performs George Washington. Mr. Bob's graphics were designed by J.R. Farrell at Promotional Graphics Doylestown, PA. The theme songs are provided by Silent Partner and Ease Jammy Jams. For a full list of character and musical credits, please check out our website, theworldaccordingtomrbob.com. And while you're on the internet, please follow our Facebook page for updates. Hit the like and subscribe button on our YouTube channel. If you want to advertise or sponsor the show, please email us at worldofmrbob at gmail.com. Or to support Mr. Bob, PayPal him at worldofmrbob. Mr. Bob would greatly appreciate it. I'm Danielle Byrne, announcer extraordinaire. Thank you for listening and please tune in to the next exciting episode of The World According to Mr. Bob. This has been a Moon Ranger production.